Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, 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 yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better. Let's get them up, get them going Tuesday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. And it's a foggy Tuesday in Austin, Texas. Be careful out there. Visibility levels not good as you get up and out this morning. Much warmer than it's been, but there is a dense fog advisory along with the 53-degree temperatures. Also a pretty strong and severe thunderstorm making its way through the Texas Hill Country right now. Be advised of that if you're headed out west towards Marble Falls, Horseshoe Bay area, moving uh, towards the local areas as well so keep an eye on that it could be another wet and rainy commute plus a foggy commute as you get up and out on this tuesday morning 23rd of january and a lot to do championship sunday on tap in the nfl we'll start previewing the games coming up uh, sunday afternoon and evening uh, big games obviously uh, to say the least the winners will meet in the super bowl also the, there are four teams remaining there are 28 teams that are hoping to get back there next year and we'll certainly talk about the, the cowboys and texans and all of the offseason doings a coach was hired yesterday also a performance for the ages in the nba last night how about a 70 point night by the reigning mvp of the nba we'll dive into some hoops college basketball tonight longhorns traveling north of the red river looking to build on that big win over baylor on uh, saturday they're going to oklahoma to face the sooners tonight We'll preview that game as well. So a lot to do. Five hours in our five-hour day-by-day conversation begins right now here on Hook 'Em Up. And we appreciate you being there wherever you find us each and every morning as often as you can, as long as you can on 101.9, also AM 1260, always streaming for you on our Horn app and at hornfm.com. And look who it has. Look at it as he's made his way through the fog. Uh, through the dense fog advisory over here to the South Austin Onion Creek compound. He is our shutdown corner five hours a day, five days a week out of the uh, 713 DB High down in Houston, Texas. Also DBU right here in Austin, Texas, a lifetime Longhorn. He is our football theorist. He is Blackstradamus. He's the proud papa of Baby Monroe. He is our man, Rod Babers. RB, is it a little rough out there? Uh, no, it's not that bad, but you can tell like the, the road's a little slick and, yeah, the, uh, the visibility. All right, not as great. So, yeah, just take your time. Just like yesterday, go slow. It's okay. All right, it's okay if you're a little bit late or just make sure you start your 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 track uh, to work a little bit early. So, uh, either way, make sure you're safe out there. That's the main thing um, before we get started, as we always do, because we got a lot to talk about. I'll give a shout-out to those who serve. Our society built on the selflessness of service to all those out there who are serving any co- any uh, capacity. We appreciate you, God, country, our community. Uh, we appreciate all those who are doing God's work. So, uh, soldiers for First responders, teachers, nurses, we can't name all the professions. We can't name all the people. Just want you to know that uh, we appreciate you each and every morning. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. And uh, there will be some first responders. But these storms uh, actually moving up to the north, northeast at this point. Yeah, but, it must uh, came through last night. Yeah, it heavy. rained a lot overnight again. Yeah. And so there are a lot of low water crossings. Oh, yeah, turn around, um, don't drown. And it will be barricaded and closed down. But it uh, looks fairly clear at this point. But more rounds of storms are moving up from the south. Um, and as I mentioned, if you're up in uh, Colleen and south of that, down in the Marble Falls and that area, you're dealing with some pretty severe storms, so, you know, large hail, winds and whatnot. Right now, Austin proper, not dealing with that, but uh, out to the west and northwest, uh, you're dealing with that for sure. So be advised, if you're headed that direction or out that direction, be safe. But uh, it's going to be wet roadways, foggy roadways this morning as you get going. And uh, Don Miller, of course, will be along with the traffic. So if you're working from home and just locking it on at hornfm.com, uh, you're nice and cozy and ready to roll. We have lots to talk about. Let's start the hour. And uh, the morning, we, as we do with uh, each morning, with the headlines, top stories, get you caught up on what's going on. Top headlines and top stories brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment and their brand new location down far from here, down in Buda, Texas. Start with Texas football now official. Former Longhorn defensive backs coach Dwayne Aquina will not be returning to the 40 acres after multiple reports indicated he was strongly considering the move back. But instead, the 67-year-old is going to remain at Arizona, and the Wildcats have named him the team's defensive coordinator under new head coach Brent Brennan. Brent Brennan. Congratulations to Coach Aquina. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian moved swiftly to fill the role of defensive analyst that he was looking for. He's hired longtime Pittsburgh Steelers defensive back William Gay. 39-year-old played 11 seasons in the NFL won a Super Bowl as a Steeler, retired in 2018, was an intern for the Steelers, most recently the defensive backs coach at Missouri State. He'll come in as an analyst for all of helping specifically the defensive backs. Uh, Texas A&M announced yesterday that former head football coach R.C. Slocum is going to serve as the university's interim athletic director while the Aggies search for a replacement for Ross Bjork. Bjork is set to depart at the end of the month for uh, the same job at Ohio State. Second time the 79-year-old has jumped in as an interim AD, also served in that role in 2019. Uh, in the NFL, according to a report from NFL Network's uh, Tom Pelissaro, the Tennessee Titans are planning to hire Cincinnati 
Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan to be their new head coach, replacing Mike Vrabel. Callahan spent the last five seasons with the Bengals as part of Zach Taylor's coaching staff, working with Joe Burrow and Cincy's quarterback specifically. In the NBA performance for the ages last night in Philadelphia, the league's reigning MVP, Joel Embiid, scored a franchise record 70 points in a 76ers 10-point win over the San Antonio Spurs. He was 24-41 from the field, set a career high with 18 rebounds as well. Embiid's just the ninth player all-time to post a 70-point night. The sixth-time uh, All-Star scored at least 30 points in 21 consecutive games. He leads the NBA with 35 points a game right now. Also last night, Timberwolves center Carl Anthony Towns poured in 62 in a loss to Charlotte. Marks the first time in nearly 50 years that two players have scored 60-plus on the same night. One other score from last night, Boston Celtics rolled into Dallas and took down the Mavericks, 119-110. Jason Tatum led the East-leading Celtics with 38 in college hoops. Rivalry week for the Texas basketball teams. Tonight, the Longhorn men are traveling north of the Red River to Norman to face 15th-ranked Oklahoma, looking to build on that big win over 9th-ranked Baylor this past Saturday. Longhorn 13 and, Longhorns are 13-5 and five overall, 2-3 and three in Big 12 play. Sooners are 15-3. and three. They're 3-2 and two in the Big 12. They've won two in a row. 6 o'clock tip tonight, early tip from the Lloyd Noble Center. Texas women, meanwhile, will host Oklahoma tomorrow night at Moody Center. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. So you're telling me Joel and B dropped 70 on the Spurs? 70. 70? Who does he think he is? Wilt Chamberlain out there? That broke, that broke Wilt Chamberlain's uh, Philadelphia 76ers yeah. record, franchise record. He had held it at 68. I mean, 70 points. They beat him 133 to 123. Hell, and I, Wimby had a good game. Wimby, Wimby had, 33 had 33 and seven rebounds. But, yeah, when somebody's dropping 70, I hate I missed that. If you want to see when somebody's dropping 70, it don't matter who they're dropping 70 against. You really don't even care about the game or the competition. Somebody in the zone where they're dropping 70, man, that's worth watching. Damn. He, I mean, I, he had KD and LeBron. Pretty much dumbstruck and <laughs> speechless. Yeah. 70? 70 points, 18 rebounds. Sure, that is, uh, that's next level right there. Okay. Yeah, you got to put some respect on uh, Joel Embiid's name. 18 rebounds. It's, yeah, that's some freaky stuff. Yeah, he's, he's pretty much unstoppable right now, as I mentioned. He's Seems gone 30 that, plus in yeah. uh, six straight games. He's uh, leading the NBA with 35 points a night. Uh, he, can, he strokes it from outside. He didn't have to shoot outside last night. They only made one three. But he was just pounding the paint, and uh, Spurs had no answer for him. Yeah, Wemby had 33. 33-7, had two blocks. Wemby had a great game. He did. He did. Uh, but except 70 with five assists, by the way. So he wasn't <laughs> – he was thinking about other – he got a couple few assists in there. That is uh, – that's pretty amazing. It, it's – that is uh, – like I said, that's an unbelievable performance. And he is – how about this? This little stat, little factoid. He and Michael Jordan are the only players in NBA history to have 65-plus 15, at least 15 rebounds and at least five assists in the game. Wow. I mean, when you and MJ, the only people that had done it, you and the GOAT, you and some rarefied air right there, man. And Jordan did that uh, against the Cavaliers back in 1990. You were just talking about that yesterday. Yeah. Them poor Cavs. The poor, yeah, like, I've, I've now compared the Cavaliers to the, 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 poor to, Cavs. The, to the Buffalo Bills, right? I mean, the Bills are a pretty good team. You could argue the Bills maybe could win a Super Bowl if they could get past Kansas City. They just can't get past Kansas City. And they won't get past they Kansas won't. City. <laughs> they won't. They won't, even at home. It's uh, because Patrick Mahomes has the greatest start to, NF, to a start to a career in the history of American pro sports. Yes, he does. It is a, we've never seen anything like it. There's nobody, Gretzky, no, no MJ, no LeBron, there's no Jeter. There's nobody in American, no Babe Ruth. There's nobody in American pro sports, as good as you can think, the goats of the goats, who have started out their career as well and as good as Patrick Mahomes has started out. Team achievements and individual achievements. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, – Never seen it. So, yeah, the poor Bills. Yeah, the poor Bills. I mean, yeah, that's what they're that's what they're running into. And yesterday, in the uh, in the in wake of their latest loss to the Chiefs, oh, uh, Josh Allen claiming the window's still open, and uh, you know, kind of like the Cavaliers back in the '90s. And one of these days, we'll get past that uh, yeah. that Jordan guy. No, probably yeah. not. When Andy Reid, I mean, there's rumors that Andy Reid might retire. That's good news for the Bills. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey might retire. The problem with that is they got a good GM. Now, Brett Beach is a, he's pretty buttoned up. Jimmy's one of the top five GMs out there. So you don't think he's already thinking about a secession plan for Andy Reid? You crazy? He's already thinking about that. He's so savvy. He might trade for a coach. I can see him doing something crazy like trading for a coach just to make sure. And you know, I want to prove a commodity with Patrick. I'm not. I'm not taking any chances here. 
All right. I want somebody who's been there. They've done it. They know how to do it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey, that's interesting how they're going to revamp this. I can't wait for the offseason to see what they're going to do with the receiving core. If, indeed, he does move on because that's been, that was the report from Pro Michelle. Football Talk, I believe, had that report about Andy Reid. That, um, yeah. That he may he – he's, well, he's thinking about it. Whatever. He's thinking. Yeah, well, yeah. look, I mean, to your point about uh, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, he's only 28 years old. I mean, he's only 28 <laughs> years old. But he's already got uh, – he's already thir- – he's 13-3. and three. In 16 career playoff games, I mean, it's just remarkable. And he's playing in another AFC championship game. Every year that he started as a starting quarterback since he began, he, of course, sat behind Alex Smith year one and then took over the reins. So he's seven years in the league, came in at 21. He's now 28, and he's going to play in his sixth consecutive AFC championship trying to, trying to get to another Super Bowl. <laughs> It's remarkable. It is. I it, mean, but you're right. I mean, you, you can't find a comparable nothing. in American sports Brady, as far as the first five or six years Brady of a player's didn't start, career. Brady, didn't have the, Brady wasn't – they were winning championships, but he wasn't necessarily winning MVPs. Yeah, you combine the like numbers. He was, he was he, 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 with no, success. He had more team achievements. Then later on, that's why, you know, Brady ate Benjamin Button, right? He had the Benjamin Button kind of syndrome. He got better individually as a player later on in the season. So, I mean, later on in his career, the season of his uh, career, I should say. Uh, but later on in his career, so, I mean, we just, yeah, we just haven't seen it. So, I'm, I'm with you about the Bills. I almost feel bad for him. <laughs> uh, if not for – if Patrick Mahomes was just in the, any other conference, I mean, at least he'd get a chance to get to a Super yeah, Bowl. Get him out of here. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, if they, if they were to win this Super Bowl, uh, which, again, I, we, I think we're both leaning Baltimore in this matchup on, on Sunday, and I think Baltimore's got the more complete team. I think yeah. they're – having the home field advantage, I think, as the Texans found out, will be big. Uh, and they're just a really, really good team in all, all phases. And Lamar Jackson's the MVP of the league. Uh, yep. Speaking of great starts to a career, he's got two MVPs already, not trying to get to a Super Bowl. But, um, you know, if he were to find a way to upset the Ravens, get to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, I think he would match – I think he has a chance with two more wins, a chance to match, you know, like Brady for wins and playoff wins. Am I right about this? Uh, I gotta look at that. I saw I saw a tweet about it. He's already approaching some pretty all time rarefied air. Oh yeah, playoff playoff wins are rare. People think that they. I mean, they're real. We take them for granted and talk about. Oh man, this guy doesn't have playoff wins. I mean, they are they are not as. uh, You know, I I don't think that a lot of quarterbacks have as many playoff wins as people think. Yeah, they just they just they assume they do. But when you start actually looking at the records, you'd be shocked. Oh man, this guy didn't have a lot of playoff wins. They're not that they're hard to come by. <laughs> they're really hard ask to come Cowboys, by. Ask the Cowboys, ask the Texans. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Great point. I mean, they're just really hard to come by. So, considering that, yeah, he had his first road playoff game this past weekend, and at least they got to play the first conference championship, you know, on the road. Uh, it's the first time he's had to do that. We'll see if he can rise to the occasion, but usually he does. Okay, here's usually what I meant. Does. Tom Brady is way far ahead of everybody with 35 playoff yeah. wins, uh, 35 and 13, which is why he's the GOAT. It's freakish. Ridiculous. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, if he wins this Super Bowl, uh, let's just say he wins two more games here. He's got 13 all-time wins, 13 and three in the playoffs. His winning percentage of 813 is the best of all time. Yeah, uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, if he wins this Super Bowl, which will take two more, he will go past Peyton Manning, John Elway, Terry Bradshaw in all-time postseason <laughs> exactly. wins. Exactly. People are like Terry Bradshaw. Hold on. Didn't he win four Super Bowls? And, he, and yeah. if he wins the Super Bowl, he'll be one back of Joe Montana for all-time <laughs> playoff wins. At 28 years old. That's the kind of the point. Like, if we were to win this two more, beat Baltimore, win the Super Bowl, he goes past Manning, Elway, and Bradshaw and yeah. goes right in behind Joe Montana, which settles in behind Tom Brady. And you're like, hold up, Joe Montana? You're like, Joe Montana played a long time. He's like, yeah, because – but Joe Montana, he didn't have a start to his career like this. No, no. <laughs> like, that's, what, that's the whole point. Like, he is – oh, man, the pace is unbelievable. At 28, he's putting himself in that Brady-Montana conversation. Already. He's already there. He can retire. Yeah. He can retire today. Basically, after this playoff run, he can retire. And he'd still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Agreed. And he would, right? and he'd be like you said, he'd already be on oh, top, what, top five to something like that in playoff wins somewhere yeah. around there. Well, also top five or ten. And, and of course, Tom Brady played into his forties, um, mid forties, and he's got thirty-five all-time playoff victories, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's he doubles anybody else, <laughs> other than Joe Montana, who had sixteen. But yeah, he, did, he doubled everybody uh, with thirty-five playoff wins and yeah. seven championships. It's crazy that we feel like nobody's going to catch Brady. It's like actually, he's got a realistic chance, but he's got a. Well, that's why you wonder <laughs> why would Andy Reid step aside now? You know, he's. You know, no, been coaching just, a long time. Yeah, it's, just, it's a grind. But you got this guy. You can just keep on winning. But uh, but we'll see. Yeah, this this uh, this comes with a lot of subplots. You got the upstart Lions. 
you know, facing San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan kind of under the gun to win one, finish a deal, um, you know, get a Super Bowl with this roster, this, this really talented roster. As a matter of fact, there was a story about that too. I'm going to pull it up for you. Yeah, uh, about the desperation for my man Shano. There is desperation for him to win one at this point. Yeah, I mean. Um, and, and he's still got the window is wide, but I, I'm with you. He's been there long enough, acquired all the pieces. Uh, a narrative will start to form if they can't win one here in the next two years, but to even this year. Yeah, it's, uh, it is impressive <laughs> uh, what, the, what the roster they have there. I mean, and, and, you know, it looks like Debo Samuel's going to be 50-50 to play in that game, which is critical for them. No. Um, you know, when they have all their pieces, they're really somewhat unstoppable offensively. But, but you know, take Debo out makes it a little bit easier, as you've talked about. So, and then you got this Detroit team that I think a lot of people in the nation are rooting for. If they don't have their own team, they're kind of rooting for the Lions. That's scary. And Dan Campbell and uh, a lot of horsepower on that team. And, uh, they a lot they of, believe. Uh, they believe. They, he a made lot them, of confidence. He made them believe. Like, they got a hot just, quarterback. There's I mean, a city of believers and a team of believers. And they, they, they believe in Jared Goff. Jerry Goff believes in himself now, something that he didn't do when he, was, he left uh, Sean McVay and the Rams. You're right. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, to, to – I looked it up yesterday because we were talking about it. Let's not forget, we talk about Kirk Cousins being a free agent when the season's over. Jared Goff's a free agent when the season is over. This is Ooh. the end of his contract. Now, look, they, they'll friend, they won't let Jared Goff leave. Yeah. You know, Jared Goff is playing great football right now. He's, he's completely, you know, quieted the doubters and, uh, you, know, you know, put that chip on his shoulder after being traded for Matt Stafford. And Matt Stafford goes and wins the Super Bowl almost immediately. Well, now he's got a chance to get his team to the Super Bowl with a win on Sunday evening, uh, which would be huge. But he's a free agent. Mm-hmm. He's the, this is the last year of his deal. Yep. And uh, the reports say that they've been working with his agent to try to get a, a long-term deal done, get something in place. But, you know, if you're Jared Goff, you're, you know, you're kind of playing this thing out because every, every win you post is another, you know, it's another bump up in the uh, whatever that contract's going to look like. Uh, big picture. Somebody said on the text line, we do appreciate your messages. Always uh, love to hear from you and communicate to 447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. It says, hey, guys, don't forget Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana didn't have wild card rounds. That's, That's true. true. Yeah, That's the true. playoffs have expanded. There's more, yeah. There are more playoffs. I will say they've had a bye a lot of the times. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the Chiefs, Chiefs, they've never played yeah. on the road. Chiefs haven't played a lot of wild card games. So, they, yeah, they just, you know, so they keep that in mind, too. That, it's remarkable, man. It is. The way you slice it. it yeah, <laughs> six straight trips to the conference title game. Because we've talked about, I mean, Cowboys fans know this. You haven't been there in 29 years. He's there six straight years yep. uh, with, with Andy Reid. They've been a great combination. But, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there, there's – I mean, this is a powerhouse Final Four. It really is. I mean, the Niners are, are uber-talented. The Ravens, same thing with the MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey and company are back. And now this upstart Lions team that, uh, you know, they're no fluke, right? I mean, they won the division. No. They beat the Chiefs to start the year, if you remember. And yeah. kind of went through a lull through midseason. But here they are uh, kicking it into gear. A lot of substance. Yeah, great offensive line. Yeah. A lot of weapons. Jared Goss playing good. And their, their defense, it's interesting, both the Niners and the Lions – are susceptible in their secondaries, right? So both quarterbacks, Brock Purdy and Jared Goff, should be able, if you protect them, should be able to push no, no, down the field a bit. Interesting. It, it, almost all the teams except the Chiefs, because they just re- they, they just overhauled their secondary, what, two off-seasons ago. Yeah. Because it was a big issue for them. And that's what I love about Brett Veach. He basically picks a position every off-season and just like, I'm going to attack it. I use free agency, use the draft. We're going to use every means of acquisition, uh, talent acquisition, to upgrade that position. It's going to be wide receiver this offseason. We all know that. Um, but everybody's secondary, except the Chiefs, seems like it's a weakness for them. We know the 49ers. That's the way they build and they construct their team. They, they build it from the inside out. So it's built from the front to the back. So they, their resources are prioritized to the front and then their linebacking core. Um, the Ravens have some good players in the back end, but it is the weakest pretty much part of their defense too. Um, pass defense, and then, yeah, we know the Detroit Lions. I mean, they've been trying to shore up their secondary all, all season long. Yeah, uh, so, and, and they are leaky back there. Yeah. And you saw Baker Mayfield getting after him too. Yeah. And right. now they have to go out on the road, right? They've got them playing in friendly confines for a couple of games here with that huge crowd and the, the, the frothing fans of Detroit uh, finally getting to root for their home team in a playoff run here. But uh, now they got to go to San Francisco. Uh, we'll keep an eye on those games. We're looking forward to it. Sunday coming up, uh, history made, legends and uh, legacies built. Uh, and, and, you know, who you're rooting for, I guess, would be the question. If you're a Cowboys fan or a Texans fan like you and I, who would you like? I know you're rooting for your guy, Shano. I am rooting for Shano. Here's a story about Shano. This is, and this is why I, I, Shano will get him a Super Bowl one day. I truly believe it, all right, because I think he's, he's willing to have the, the attitude of by any means necessary. And th- this is a lesson for the Cowboys. We've talked about this with the Cowboys, too. 
that good is, isn't good enough, right? Good is the enemy of great. For the Cowboys, that is the case. And we talk about that with Dak Prescott. You mentioned his limitations that there's enough of a sample size now. You know what he is in the playoffs. So why, you know, why continue with uh, this insanity, which is, the, you know, could, you know uh, obviously the definition of insanity, repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. That's what the Cowboys are now. That's why they're bringing back McCarthy and everybody's kind of going insane about it. There's a report from ESPN that in the offseason that Shannon told Brock Purdy, you are the starter unless I can get Brady. <laughs> I'm not joking. I saw that. Uh, <laughs> Early in the offseason, Niners coach Kyle Shannon sat down with Purdy and assured him that if he was healthy, he would be the starter, unless Brady wanted to play one more season for his hometown Niners. <laughs> As ecstatic, Purdy understood the logic, but the competitor in him also uh, bubbled under the surface. Yeah. Shannon was like, yeah, you know what? We can, can we upgrade? Let's just well, to see if we can upgrade here. It, 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 that is, that's the lesson, right? Because I think all the organizations that the Cowboys have to beat, they have that mentality where they're trying to upgrade. Listen, the 49ers tried to do it with Trey Lance. It just didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> they tried their best to do it with Trey Lance. It didn't work out. They tried to do it again in the offseason with Tom Brady. There's some other reports that they've tried to do it over the years. But, you know, they're in that situation with their quarterback being – limited and being maybe a low ceiling quarterback because of their own decision. So I'm not saying that the 49ers are, you know, just the, uh, they, there's the bad luck or circumstance kind of team. No, no, no. They made bad decisions at quarterback. So they end up with what they have at quarterback, but the Cowboys, I haven't seen them or heard any reports about them trying to upgrade their quarterback situation. Once they found out what Dak was as a quarterback and how and how limited he was as a quarterback. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, always trying to upgrade a quarterback, right? They, we've seen that multiple times with them. <laughs> and sometimes they screw it up, but that's just the that nature of the business. You're going to mess it up, but you can always, if you keep having the mentality of upgrading a quarterback, I think eventually you will. Um, and we've seen that with, uh, we, how we saw it with Sean McVay and the Rams. <laughs> Talking about Jerry Goff, it's like, nah, we're upgrading a quarterback, man. We got to upgrade. It, it's, it's a mentality you have to have. And I don't know if the Cowboys have that aggressive mentality that where they're always upgrading, yeah. always looking well, for a better Unless you have upgrade. Patrick Mahomes, right? Unless yeah, you like, have a guy, yeah. like, like I don't think the Texans will be looking to upgrade quarterback at this point. I think no, you got some, the guy. You're going to be building around your guy. But, you know, they convinced themselves that Dak was the guy, even though a lot of us said, eh, maybe. He was <laughs> uh, a happy accident, which is great. And you got, you got more out of a fourth-round pick than yes. you thought. And this is, there are still people that have that same doubt about Brock Purdy, and we'll find out. He's got a head, you know, head-to-head showdown with Jared Goff, who was doubted in his career, hey, too. Hey, but they were trying. They tried to get the they, goal. They, they tried. They, <laughs> they tried. 100% of your point about Tom Brady. You also had Kyle Shanahan looking at it with John Lynch saying, look, we got a quarterback coming off a pretty major elbow surgery. You know, we, we can't this – is, this is another thing with the Cowboys where they, they rely on hope a lot of times. Like, we hope Tony Pollard comes back fully healthy from the, the leg injury suffered against the Niners in the playoffs, and he, he really never got back to that form this year. We hope things – you know, there's, the, there's an example of the Niners saying, you know what, you know, we, we think Brock Purdy, the doctors say he's going to be okay, but, man, we got too, too good a roster to chance. Let's call Brady. Let's just, take, let's just, just talk see. to him. Let's just see what he's got to say. See what he's got to say. How retired is he? And I'll give the Cowboys credit for the Trey Lance thing. That may be them deciding to pivot as an organization and go a different route. And I don't know if there's any you know substance to the reports that you mentioned yesterday that that's part of why they kept Mike McCarthy around. Like, hey, man, groom. we need you to groom and develop this guy. He's got high-end ca- uh, traits. Um, he's got a, a, a skill set that got him drafted in the top ten, top five in the NFL draft. Can you resuscitate it? Can, you know what I mean? If you could do that, we as an organization, we may be in a, a very, very different place. 100%. 100%. All right, so NFL, it's uh, Championship Sunday on tap. And uh, you remember when uh, the Tennessee Titans fired Mike Vrabel and the owner of the team, uh, Amy Adams Strunk, came out and said, well, because people asked, why didn't you try to trade him if there was going to be interest? And she said they wanted to get ahead of the coaching carousel. Do you think Brian Callahan? The offensive coordinator of the Bengals was the name no. that they were targeting? No. no, whoever they wanted turned him down. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I think it. it's pretty obvious. Whoever whoever they they targeted turned him down. Yeah. I'm not saying they settled on Brian Callahan. He's a good he might be a good coach, a good candidate, but you, we remember that report. I, I remember I read the quote and what was that two, was that almost was that week well, and a half? Right, yeah, it was week two weeks ago. ago. It was two right at the ago? end of their Monday after the season ended. So, yeah, so I think who, – who was the top candidate? That's the question. Yeah, that's what we don't know. That's what we don't know. I don't think it was Brian Callahan. Look, no not way. That, you could have had that, that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
because they're <laughs> and we'll see. Well, I mean, wherever Mike Vrabel lands will be interesting. He's interviewed at a lot of places, but there were those mm. who believed that you could have traded. You were still under contract. That was a good. You, you yeah. had him, and he would have mm-hmm. been a guy that would you know oh. teams you know, organizations may have traded for, no doubt, to get Mike Vrabel, and uh, you didn't. Then you see, you know, the owner said, "Well, we wanted to get in in front of. We didn't want someone to take our guy." And, was this their guy? You know, I'm sure they'll sell it as it was when I they get to these introductory news conferences. Yeah, they could. Tom Palisaro says the 39-year-old, uh, you know, developer of Joe of Joe Burrow. A lot of people are saying uh, is coming in to uh, take over. I the think Titans. it was more about what he did with Jake Browning too. Yeah. Well, that offense got better. That uh, offense year got year. better. But when you got a guy, you know, everybody, uh, Joe Burrow has you know elite skill set. So when Joe Burrow achieves, I don't know if I'm going to give the the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator the ton of credit because he's just that's why he's drafted number one overall. But when you get uh, the backup quarterback also coming in and he's slinging it around and throwing for three hundred yards too in that same offense, then uh, I, it piques my interest about the offensive acumen of that coordinator. Well, and it's going to as we told you yesterday, maybe you missed it. The uh, yesterday opened the day uh, opened the opportunity where NFL teams can go face to face. Yep with candidates who they want to hire that are under contract yeah. with other teams, uh, coaching for other teams. So you, you could only do Zoom calls before yesterday. So maybe we see this thing speed up. Jim Harbaugh, again, interviewed with the L.A. Chargers again. Um, you know, this Brian Callahan thing is about to come down. Bill yeah. Belichick has interviewed with the Falcons a couple times, but the Falcons have interviewed everybody. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is supposed to meet with the Washington Commanders today about their vacant head coaching job. Meanwhile, Ron Rivera, who was fired as the coach in Washington, interviewed with the Philadelphia Eagles to be their defensive coordinator for Nick Sirianni, who mm. appears to be staying with the Philadelphia Eagles coaching at this point. So, yes, it is, it's heating up. Seattle needs a new head coach. I mean, there's a lot. You know, the Raiders have named Antonio Pierce uh, their full-time coach, and uh, we'll keep an eye on it. And uh, what the Jim Harbaugh, that's really the, the next, between Bill Belichick and Harbaugh, then Vrabel, those are the big names. And he and got where the second interview with the Chargers. Is that the char- I believe uh, Harbaugh? So. Yeah. Yes. So that that, yes. that that may be trending in the right direction. All right, we'll follow all of that. And uh, into championship Sunday, Cowboys-Texans get back into the NBA as well with Joel Embiid, a 70-point night. By the way, it happened uh, – I, I, I thought just saw a note where it happened to the day when Kobe Bryant had an 81-point game. Yeah, is that – that's crazy. That's um, freaky. To the, to the same day of however many wow. years ago. So we'll get in, get into that coming up. Rod's got us behind the burn orange curtain. The latest on the Longhorns with Steve Sarkeesian and his group still uh, moving forward, coming off a big recruiting weekend and where they're headed. Also, we'll get uh, some what the facts for the end of the hour. We're just getting warmed up on a foggy and wet Tuesday morning. Be careful out there, folks. Uh, we'll get you there here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook em Up for sure. Should be a good game tonight up in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, Lloyd Noble Center, Texas and Oklahoma. It's a 6 o'clock tip tonight, so uh, a little earlier than usual. You get that uh, Big 12 basketball. And the Horns looking to build on their best performance of the year on Saturday with the win over Baylor. Can they continue that into uh, the Lloyd Noble Center tonight where they'll play a good Oklahoma team, 15-3 and three for Porter Mosier. Uh, quality, quality, quality group. They've won uh, three of their first five in the Big 12 and um, you know, we've won two straight beat Cincinnati on Saturday at Cincinnati. So uh, we'll, we'll actually hear from Porter Mosier coming up. I got some sound of him talking about the Rodney Terry horns down controversy that is uh, continuing to mm. be a conversation. So Porter Mosier uh, and the Sooners. It's rivalry week. The Longhorn men and women are both playing Oklahoma this week. Uh, Texas tonight, Texas women tomorrow night. And as we talked about yesterday, Rod, can the horns, you know, play with that type of defensive intensity we saw in the second half. Tyrese Hunter needs to bring that energy. They've got, a, they've got, they've got good players. Uh, they do. I mean, when they play well, this team is a tournament team. But right now they're outside the top 25. And I saw some um, you know, way too early March Madness projections that don't have the Longhorns in the field of 65 right now, or 64 or 68, um, because they're, they need to, they're at the bottom of the Big 12, uh, even with the win Saturday. They're, yeah. they're, they're down at the bottom. There are seven ranked Big 12 teams, and including Oklahoma, the, Texas is not one of them. Yeah, I mean they got. But you can you can play your way into those rankings. I was going to say quickly. yeah, you can within the Big Twelve. The I guess the the good and the bad of it is it, you will play plenty of ranked teams, so you you'll have a lot of opportunities to climb back up into favor with the committee and get some of those uh, those quad one wins you talk about. Um, but also the bad of it is if you don't get your ish together 
uh, you will get trampled <laughs> in the Big 12. And, uh, yeah, and you'll end up, you know, kind of playing your way out of being a tournament team as well. So, yeah, they got opportunity. I mean, that's, that's no doubt. They have to play like they did um, when they beat Baylor, which was a top 10 team. They play like that. They got a, they got a good shot. They got a good shot at beating half of those ranked teams they play. Um, but, man, the Big 12, it's just there's no time to catch your breath. It's nope. like no time to catch your breath at all. So as a, it, it's just really tough for a roster and for a coach. Like any injury, guy down for a, a, a long time and you don't have the depth, uh, coach trying to figure – like you just talked about how this team really haven't figured out their brand of basketball just yet, um, and you're right about that, but there's no time. Well, you got to figure we, it out on the fly. And we talked about that in real time, that oh. it, it is unfortunate that Dylan DeSue, you know, wasn't healthy enough with that foot surgery he had – you know, he had that injury last March during March Madness. We're in their run to the to the potentially almost the Final Four, but the surgery he wasn't ready to go until almost Christmas. So you're bringing a whole roster together, and one of your best players is going to be infused into that roster right as about as your starting conference play. So you're trying to figure it out and how to how to mold him into what yep. you're doing. And so they're kind of doing it on the fly right now. But I'll say this: as I said yesterday, you know, Rodney Terry's first year, thirteen and five. Chris Beard's first year was thirteen and five. Um, and, and that team did make the tournament there. I remember that first year. It was frustrating because they were trying to come together as a as a roster and figure yeah. themselves out, and there was a lot of new players mm-hmm. playing together for the first time and playing against really good teams in the Big 12, and that team ended up winning 22 games, making the tournament, and winning a tournament game. Um, so can this team go that direction? Uh, they're at the exact same mark, 13-5, and five, and you know the, what you hope is those, that, that, that those home losses to Tech and Central Florida – don't come back to haunt you down the road because you got to win your home games in this conference. That's clear. And the Longhorns have already dropped two of them. Yeah. That's why the Baylor win was so big. Yeah, which means you got to go steal some yeah, games. Yeah, you do. You have to go steal some road games. Steal some well, they have games. one at Cincinnati, and uh, they get an opportunity tonight. So, uh, you know, we talked about how bad the loss was for Texas when they lost at West Virginia. Well, West Virginia just beat Kansas over the yep. weekend. So, you know, this conference just <laughs> it just doesn't matter. It doesn't. Any team can beat any team in this conference 100% of the totally time. I totally agree with that. So, uh, looking forward to it. We're also talking championship Sunday, the Cowboys, uh, their future, the Texans now, cleaning out lockers yesterday after their uh, you know, big-time step forward. Different season. vibes, though. Yeah, big-time. Different time. vibes when you're cleaning out those lockers in both of those, uh, those locker rooms for the Cowboys and for the Texans. Disappointment for the Cowboys, I think for the Texans, optimism. Yeah, I think it, I think for the Cowboys, it's disappointment bordering on, des- on, on desperation. Oh, like, yeah, there's no doubt. Like, I'm with you. I mean, because we've talked about the Cowboys' cap issues and their their free agency issues, and what do they do with the Dak Prescott thing? Um, again, I, the, the cap number is massive, but if you extend him, now you're locking yourself into this quarterback, and you're just kind of kicking the can down the road. That's it. Seems to be what they're doing right now. He won't cost as much this year on your cap, but he eventually will. And you know, you just you're you're you know you're eight years into this quarterback, and you have not made a significant playoff run at this point. Um, so a lot of decisions have to be made, uh, you know, for the Cowboys. So we'll talk about it. Uh, difficult offseason. You may be losing Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn will interview with the Washington Commanders today. Uh, Seattle's interviewed Dan Quinn. So Yeah, he's got to take one of these jobs. He can't afford now to, feels be, like it, right? to pass on one of these opportunities. I mean, this will be the third year that he decides to pass on one of the head coaching jobs. I feel like his uh, buzz will wear off. Oh, yeah, it will. Soon. That's just the way it, the way it goes. So I, I would expect him to leave the Cowboys. Now, for what job? I'm not sure. Because I didn't expect the Callahan thing, actually. That one surprised me. And I'm not saying it's a bad hire. I'm just saying it was surprising. Yeah. Considering this is the, probably the deepest pool of coaching candidates we've had, what, in, I don't know, in 10, 20 years that I can remember in any head coaching carousel. And they went with someone who was not one of the bigger names. Right? They went with kind of a name that's, I'm not going to say it's off the beaten path, but it's not one of the top six, seven uh, coaching candidates that people would mention right now for all of these vacancies. So that's that's a little surprising. That's all. That all. Yeah. No, no, so we'll, you know, you're exactly right for our, for our Cowboys fans and Texans fans. It's a different cleaning out of the lockers, a oh, desperation yeah. in Dallas and excitement. But a lot of free agents for the Texans, though, too. They are. Well, yeah, they got a lot they, of them they got to figure out. Well, because Nick Casario brought in a lot of guys on one-year short-term deals yep. to go around this young roster, and now they yeah. got to – you know, make some decisions and, you know, and how, how they lock in, who they lock into and, you know, who they build around moving forward. So, yeah, yeah. a lot of excitement in Houston, uh, concern in Dallas. We'll talk about it. Right now, let's go behind the burnt orange curtain, though, talking Texas football and the very latest for Coach Sark. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, just uh, a lot of – Kind of random headlines about Texas football. Still waiting on the D-line coach. Let me tell you, 
Yeah, that's kind of weird, right? It is a little weird. A little weird. A lot of people thought that uh, Rod Wright was going to be the uh, that he may have been the lead uh, candidate for that uh, that hit, that vote that vacancy at defensive line uh, coach for Texas. And once the Texans were done, we just got to talking about them cleaning out their lockers. That once the Texans were done, then an announcement would be uh, forthcoming. We have not heard that announcement, so maybe Rod Wright wasn't the lead candidate. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's somebody else in the NFL. <laughs> I don't know. But the, the timeline leads a lot of people to believe that it's an NFL candidate because otherwise – what would be the weight? Yeah, um, because you do. Also, in addition to you needing a D line coach, that vacancy right now could be hindering you from adding D line pieces. Because a lot of these young guys, whether they've been the transfer portal, and even some of the young D linemen you've brought in, you already had one who asked for right out of their letter of intent. Uh, was it DeAndre Robinson? Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying others will do it, but I'm sure they're curious as to who's going to be a D-line coach. Um, and um, that hasn't happened. So it, I'm, right now I don't think anybody knows. And good for Sark keeping, you know, his cards close to the vest because I haven't heard any reports about a lot of interviews with coaches, uh, a lot of guys being targeted at the college level. Um, I mean, we've talked about the candidates that – or the possible candidates, like guys like Frank Golcam and – um, Ed, Ed Orgeron could be one of those guys. Uh, Oscar Giles, we talked about. I mean, there are a lot of, of course, Rod Wright still out there too. But we, there have been no concrete reports about what they're going to do. And now, um, I am wondering what's, I don't say what's taking so long, but if it was Rod Wright, then what went wrong? Oh, there you go. Boom, a little pun there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I, I really, I'm, I'm really curious to see who it's going to be now. Um, for filling that role, and I, I can't imagine it take much longer. No, I mean, it, you, you, I was expecting, and I'd been told that Rod Wright was the was the focus of the of the search, and it, the fact that it hadn't happened almost immediately, then since the te- Texan season is over, tells you that uh, did they hit a hit a snag? Yes, I don't I, know. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what the situation is, but uh, we're all kind of waiting on that because you you need to get somebody in place here with with you know the you know there's another er, another late signing recruiting window coming up. Um, in early February, right? The first Wednesday of every February. It's still mm-hmm. – it's the – The one nobody talks about. The one nobody talks about. <laughs> yeah, you're right, but that is uh, So, you know, and, and we've talked to our insiders on, on you know, who's in play there. But you, you're not – you know, you got the kid coming in from Arizona, the defensive Sevilla. portal transfer, Sevilla. Yeah. Well, then, you know, he didn't commit while he was here, and you know, he's got relationships, but there's no D-line coach. You kind of want – I mean, you, you played for Dwayne Aquina at Texas. You kind of want to know who that person is. It's an intimate relationship. Somebody's going to be around a lot. A lot. You, you, at least you want to know that, hey, I get along with this person, that they're, you know, I like their disposition, the way they coach, their style, that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. That's one uh, headline that I think a lot of Longhorn fans are curious about. Uh, but my man Quinn Ewers is getting a lot of love in the preseason Heisman odds. Uh, I've seen several of these. There's another uh, one out from FanDuel that's got yours uh, seven and a half to one odds. Um, to win the Heisman, the best odds tied, I should say, tied with Carson Beck with the best odds to win the Heisman this upcoming season. So he's getting a lot of love, man. He's getting a lot of love. And that wide receiving core that they're putting together for him, uh, I'm sure it's going to help propel him to at least to be in that conversation. Really, there, should be, there shouldn't be any, anything limiting Quinn Ewers this season. The old line's going to be great. You got uh, extremely high upside with the backups, but you're returning four of the five starters on the O-line. Um, we thought losing a lot of the receiving production would be an issue, but you're replacing a lot of it with some proven commodities, Isaiah Bond, Silas Bolden, Matthew Golden. Um, I think the question, they did bring in an, another tight end, uh, Amari Nyblack, but there's no replacing really a guy like J.T. Sanders. That may be something that I guess could hinder him because he really liked J.T. Sanders and he had great chemistry. Um, I mean, chemistry with the wide receivers, chemistry with the weapons, because he hasn't had time with them. That'll be up to him in the offseason. It really will. To throw with them as much as possible. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, you can – coaches can only be around players a certain amount of time, certain hours per week and whatnot. But, yeah, yeah, the players can – and, you know, they'll leave the field open. All day. All day. <laughs> oh, no. He, no, he's open. got the keys. He's got the keys. No, he's got the quarterback to get the keys. No, I had a my, – my, my, my best friend was a quarterback. Oh, they get the keys. They, they can go there anytime they want to. They can go there and do wild stuff like throw parties, bring hot women over there. Come on. Go let them see the field. They can do all kind of cool stuff. All right? They got the keys. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they can go throw anytime Vince they want to. Vince had the keys. Vince got the keys? Oh, yeah. You get the, Old had the keys. Oh, yeah. You get the keys. I don't know if the back of – Arch probably got some keys. <laughs> you think Arch got the keys? Oh, everybody gave Arch some keys, right? Like, hey, Arch, go throw what you want. You got some keys. 
Uh, yeah, usually backups don't get the keys, but I bet Arch probably has some. Uh, but anyway, there you go. So Quinn getting a lot of love, as he really should. Uh, how about this? My man Blake Monroe tweeted this out, at Blake Monroe OTF on Texas Football. He does a great job uh, working with the own Texas Football crew. Uh, ESPN named, they were doing the uh, ranking of the top matchups of 2024. Um, and the, uh, basically what they think is going to be the biggest games that will impact the new 12-team format uh, that's coming up in 2024. They got Georgia at Texas as the number one matchup. Ooh. The most well, impactful that might be one, two when the season begins. Hmm? That might be the number one and two teams in the preseason Oh, yeah, 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 no doubt. Yes, of course. But I, I think agree we, on that. It's way yeah, too we, early to look at August and what the preseason polls will be, but, you know, you're talking about Texas with all the portal additions that they've made and the returning quarterback you just talked about and the returning line and – um, you know, they've plugged a lot of, of, of holes through the portal. There'll be one or two, you know, Ohio State, Georgia, or Ohio State, Oregon. Those are probably your preseason four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Michigan, but they're, they're losing they're a losing ton, a and they might lose their coach, uh, the defending champs. So, yeah, I think – I don't think there's – you know, and that game's here. Yeah, it's a big game. Texas, Georgia. That's huge. Um, you know, I mean, I saw where, according to one of the uh, gambling houses, the uh, the line makers, Texas is an early favorite of Michigan in week two. Uh, I could, two I two and a half points. But Michigan's losing everything. Yeah. Quarterback, I possibly mean, head coach. They're losing a ton. A uh, ton of players off to the NFL. And, uh, and then who knows when Harbaugh leaves, how many guys may decide, man, I'm, I'm going to leave him too. Transfer yeah. portal. A hundred percent. And yeah. so, again, again, it's way too early. But much like last year when Texas went to Alabama and beat the Crimson Tide, it was a kind of a rebuilt Crimson Tide team. New quarterback, new coordinators, new offense, new, new a lot of a lot of new. Mm-hmm. Whereas Texas went in there with a lot of returning players. Yep. Same thing this year. Texas will go on the road to Michigan, who just won the national championship. Uh, well, you know, got to go win the game. But Texas did it last year with a lot of established players, and Michigan will be replacing a lot. But uh, if they win that game, man. Speaking of that Michigan game, they got that number four. So they got two Texas matchups in the top five. Texas at Michigan, they got that number four on this list of most impactful games of 2024. And Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma, they have uh, number seven. I don't know why they always put Oklahoma first. It's annoying. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I think it's an alphabetical thing. But anyway, uh, yeah, Texas, Oklahoma, they got it as number seven. So three top ten matchups. And Oklahoma's losing. I mean, you just talked about returning starters and returning coordinators and play callers. Texas returns all of its coordinators. And all of his play callers, head coach, and his quarterback, that usually to me is and, – and you go O-line too. I mean, that is it's kind of where you start when you start ranking teams uh, in the preseason. Do any return, the head coach, the coordinators, and the quarterback. And Texas returns all those. And as you just mentioned, Michigan's probably not going to return – you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see what they go. They're definitely not returning the quarterback. All right, so they won't have that. Uh, Georgia does, though. That's why Georgia, they do return their head coach. They do return their quarterback. They still got a lot of uh, consistency coming back. Michigan I, I won't. They'll have so many guys that, that, that have been drafted, so they won't have a lot of consistency. Oklahoma won't. Oklahoma, I don't think they have any returning old linemen yeah. going into the SEC. They're, they, they're replacing both coordinators, offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, so give Sark some credit for the continuity. That's going to help them win some games next year. 100%. All right, Rod, uh, good stuff behind the BOC. We'll keep an eye on that defensive line vacancy. Congrats to your former coach, Dwayne Aquina. He's now the defensive coordinator oh, yeah, with the man. Arizona Wildcats. Uh, back running that defense now. And, of course, Arizona's moving into the Big 12 uh, next season in football and uh, all their sports. Uh, coming back, we'll pick up some what the facts from around the sports world and maybe elsewhere. Uh, we'll also uh, reset your headlines at the top of the hour. Be careful out there. Foggy morning, dense fog advisory for large areas of our listening area here this morning. So uh, be careful as you are up and out around the 512 and beyond. Also some severe storms up to the northwest. Um, you know, take your time. Be take careful out time. there. Uh, talk about with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Rolls on on a Tuesday morning. Uh, some what the facts. How about this, Rod? Houston Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud, this is a fact now, has made a major donation to the foundation. Foundation. Yes, the NIL collective for his alma mater at Ohio State. Oh, the yeah. collective's co-founder is fellow Buckeye quarterback Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Major donation to the foundation. He didn't want to play no school, man. I remember Cardell. Then Jones. he graduated. So good for him, right? Yeah, good for him. Oh man, he's, he learned. He learned his lesson. 
Yeah, good for him. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, uh, all right, so fact here is not a little, I don't know, it's a fact that people didn't know, but just want to make sure that people kind of get it because I think it was pretty cool. Uh, in the NFC title game, you'll have the Detroit Lions facing off against the San Francisco 49ers. Yes. So basically both head coaches, old school rivalry, baby. Texas versus Texas A&M. Heck, yeah. Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan wide receiver in Texas. Dan Campbell, he's an Aggie. Tied in with the Aggies. So, there you go. Also, so if you're a Longhorn in an Aggie, you know who to root for in that matchup, whether you're a Detroit Lions fan or you're a 49er fan. It's easy for me. So, yeah. uh, You know, Detroit Lions, how about this? Uh, you know, <laughs> facts as the TV ratings come in. These NFL games, I mean, there's really – it's a, it, you know, we know that the, the, the most popular TV show in America is NFL football. But close. the numbers just continue to yeah. escalate. Yeah, man. They uh, separating, too. And how about this? How hungry Detroit sports fans. The Detroit TV market pulled a whopping 40-and-a-half TV rating for the game on Sunday. Oh, damn city. Damn the whole city, city was <laughs> watching uh, versus the Buccaneers. The Tampa market was 27.8. Uh, the KC market was 26.3. So a 40-and-a-half rating in Detroit <laughs> – <laughs> see their see their lions, and that game that uh, uh, for NBC. That was an NBC game with with Tarico, which is kind of cool. Tarico grew up in Detroit, and he's a big. He's oh, a lions I didn't realize fan. that. Yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, Tarico is a is a long suffering Lions fan. If you didn't know that, they, all of them are long suffering. Yeah, <laughs> that peaked at forty nine million. Just just over forty nine million people watched the final minutes of the Lions' historic win over Tampa. It was NBC's most watched divisional game in thirty years. And as we said, it was the most watched Saturday – the night before when we had the, the Saturday night game, right, with the uh, Niners and, the, uh, and the, uh, pa- the Packers, two huge fan bases too, coast-to-coast. Packers have a huge fan base. That game was the most watched Saturday night game since the Kerrigan-Tanya Harding battle. Now that – In the a, Olympics. That's a great factoid. <laughs> that is. Saturday night game. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because I guess – yeah, that's still – that's all – you're talking about – what was that? The – 80s? That was like that was the 90s. Mid- that, was, that, was 90s. that was 90s? Yes. Dude, that's like 94. Crazy. Oh, man. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but the NFL is king. They, they, not only is it the, the top television product in America, but it, it, nobody's even close to it. They're the second, no. second place, like I said, there's like a Grand Canyon sized gap. Which second, I think second place is like college football. Almost. Yeah, well, co- yeah, exactly right. <laughs> they got like three as far of- as TV shows this year, um, it'll be college football in the semifinal games yeah. and uh, some other you know championship game caliber games. No, I think that's only going to escalate too as we get into a twelve-team playoff next year when they start oh, yeah. playing playoff games. Possible through December. steal a couple more. Yeah, yeah, you're right. About uh, that. And it just goes to the passion for football, which you know I was thinking about this this morning. That, that should be good for the XFL, right? I mean, that should be good. I mean, it's not, it's, though, really. it's not by itself. I always thought there was confusion when it was USFL and XFL, which is which and who's doing what. Now they've merged. They're, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to – but, they, you know, they, they, there should be some interest in that because there is so much passion for football. Yeah, but it doesn't translate. It's weird. It doesn't translate. It's something about the relationship between college football and the NFL with them essentially pro, – college football promoting all the great players that will end up playing in the NFL. Oh, yeah, And then absolutely. that naturally being kind of a marketing – it being a kind of a built-in marketing mechanism. And, right, and then, and then how many – I would love to see the numbers about how many of the college football fans actually cross over and are NFL fans too. How many are like me that just like, well, well I watch college football, but then I watch all those guys play in the NFL. And I watch – I would love to see the numbers because I think it, it – it helps the NFL tremendously. It does. And also what helps the NFL in college, betting. And I don't think people bet on the XFL and bet on That's USFL as it. much. I don't think they bet on as much. They, they bet on it, trust me, because Ty, Ty probably did right now. Hey, I bet on, they don't bet on it as much, and that, that helps a lot, as you know. Yes, it betting. certainly does. Yeah. But, it, you know, I, I don't want to say there's a tipping <laughs> point. At some point, there's got to be some appetite for a spring league. If it's if it's good quality football, I mean, again, it's never going to come close to what we're talking about here with yeah. college and pro football. But you know, you, you got baseball and the NBA and golf uh, in the spring. Um, you know, but we know what the NFL will be. It's going to be you know, Senior Bowl will be coming up. Then there'll be the combine. Then there'll be the yeah. free agency period will open in mid March when the league See? year begins. And what is that? That is marketing promoting all these players. You get to oh, know them by that time because yeah. of the combine and the draft and, and college football. You don't the, the guys by the time they get to the XFL. I don't know. It's weird. It, you don't know the guys as well, so that's a part of it. And let's be honest, guys, there are not enough good quarterbacks in the NFL. Ain't there enough good quarterbacks to go to the, in, to play in the XFL? There's not enough good quarterbacks. Period. There's just not enough f- to to have a good quality product 
they're not they're not enough good ones. The NFL can barely keep them on the field. Yeah, they all get hurt. They all get hurt. All right, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, obviously, people watching these games in a huge way. The numbers. I mean, I mean, they just keep keep building on you know most watched games since this. I saw where the you know ESPN broadcast the uh, the divisional playoff game for the first time. That was Texans Ravens. That was their <laughs> most the, the Texans Ravens game on ESPN was the highest rated and watched game ever on ESPN, ever. Of any, I mean, they've been broadcasting NFL games for a long time. Long time. And Monday Night Football. That game was the, and it's the first time they've had a divisional game on ESPN mm. this year, and you know had the Monday Night Crew with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. It was C.J. Stroud against Lamar Jackson, and it's their most watched game ever. Yeah. Uh, so it just keeps rising. We saw it in college football too, and you're right, the passion is certainly there. So we'll take your thoughts on that as we get this thing uh, rolling this morning. So what the facts? Any other facts we need to have out there, Rod? Uh, neither championship game is a rematch. That hasn't happened since 2017. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, normally there are rematches here. This is not. This is. Uh, you don't have any comparison, really. Usually you have it like, oh, this team. Yeah, because the Ravens didn't play the Chiefs this year. Uh, and, of course, the Lions didn't play the Niners. But uh, they these have been among the four or five best teams all year long. Yes, agree with that. I think that's fair to say, right? Yep. These, this is, this, there are no flukes here. Uh, you, no. you know, the, you know the, these are the one and the three seeds. And, you know, the two seeds were Buffalo and Dallas, who crapped out and couldn't uh, defend their home field, right? Uh, but these are the one and three seeds. So uh, these are two of the six best teams all year long. I, I think agree that's with fair that. to say. Yeah. Especially when the Lions announced their presence by beating the Chiefs on opening night. Remember, that was the Thursday night game to start yes. the season. You're and right the Chiefs about that. and you know, the Lions announced to everybody, hey, uh, we're, we're not just cute, this cute little story from hard knocks. We're, we're going to be coming this year. And here they are, um, you know, playing the Niners. In a game, I, I, I think we were all kind of surprised. The fact is, the, not, the line is a touchdown. That's a that's a big are, are that's a Niners, big number. That's a big number. Are the Niners a touchdown better than the Lions? Not from the way they played last game. I mean, not the way they played the Packers. They aren't. They're not. And if Brock Purdy, and I got to go look. Is there rain in the forecast? Because if there's wet conditions, and mm. that can happen in San Francisco mm. in January, uh, we just saw Brock Purdy have a hard time gripping the football and yeah. being accurate Didn't with the. Uh, and and you got the Debo Samuel thing now. You know Debo Samuel fifty fifty with a shoulder. If he doesn't play, I'll jump all over that seven points. I'm with you. Yep, if Debo don't play, I'm, I would definitely think the Lions can keep it within the number, especially the style of football that the 49ers play. So, yeah, and I don't know if the 49ers secondary, if Goff can get time, and that's a big if, because Goff doesn't move around a lot. Even Jordan Love moved around more than Goff does. And uh, kind of quietly yesterday, the Lions signed the uh, longtime veteran tight end, Zach Ertz. They need him because Brock, is it Brock Wright, I believe is yeah, his name? Both, Their yeah. second tight end, he's out. And so you got Sam LaPorta and Zach Ertz to go after that uh, those linebackers. By the way, last night we'll reset it coming up, but 70 points for Joel Embiid against the Spurs. 70. Joe. Victor Wenbanyama had a really good game with 33 points. Joel Embiid scored twice as many than he did in that game. 70. Only nine players in NBA history have eclipsed 70 points. There have been 14 total occurrences. Wilt Chamberlain did it six times. <laughs> Yeah, Wilt the Stilts. But Joel Embiid now owns the franchise record because uh, Wilt's record in Philadelphia was 68. Wow. Joel has 70. He ain't going to break uh, Wilt's other record. No. Well, ain't breaking that. Nah. You mean the off-court record? Yeah, the 20, 20 Gs, 20,000. I'm still not buying that. I still refuse to believe that number. Nah, I believe it. The math just doesn't equate. Look at what he did on the court, man. You don't believe that Wilt could do that off the court? 20,000? 20, 20,000. We'll be back. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. <laughs>